This is Real Love Now, a ministry outreach of Pastor Don Allen in the Church at War Hill. As with every aspect of our ministry, the purpose of this broadcast is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him and His children, and discover your destiny now. Here's the message from Pastor Don Allen. Well, I want to talk to you about a few things as we open our Bibles toward the end of the, the New Testament to First John chapter 4. Father, uh, tonight I want you to open the Word to us. Lord, I really believe you gave me this message for this evening. Lord, you, you, you sowed parts of this into my life as somebody was sowing it into my life, Father. And I, I ask you, Lord, as, as it was speaking to me, how that I, I believe you wanted uh, that, that seed to grow into this message. Lord, but I pray for all of our team. Uh, you see where we, we're starting this battle to win more souls than we have uh, ever before. Lord, we thank you that you're going to speak to this congregation according to your will and your plan. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. All right, well, with that, I want to bring you a message tonight entitled, Jump or Fall? Jump or Fall? Have you ever stumbled and you hoped people thought it was on purpose? Have you ever jumped and it didn't go so well and ended up falling? Hey Amen. Somebody tell about jumping off of something they thought it wouldn't be quite so far down and realized that it, they weren't as young as they used to be. 1 John chapter 4, verse number 18, God's been speaking to my heart uh, through these passages. I, I've, I've been reading here in, in the end of the New Testament for the last several days. And 1 John 4, 18, such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is the fear of punishment, and this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. I've been reading over and over again over these last few days and weeks how that Paul was saying stop trying to earn his love and start accepting his love. Stop trying to feel like you have some part in what's happening inside. And yes, we do have to believe. And yes, we do have to walk according to holiness. Because without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. We know those things. But, but over and over again, he says, you're making rituals that become, uh, your rituals become your God. And God's looking for somebody who will fall in love with him. Because being in love with God changes your whole outlook, changes your whole perspective. It, it changes everything. But I, I want you to keep that in mind for just a few moments tonight as I, I talk with you about whether or not you jump or you, you fall. On February 4th, 1912, at the Eiffel Tower, a French tailor named Franz Reinhelt climbed the stairs to the observation deck on the Eiffel Tower. He climbed up as high as he could climb. He had designed, and this almost just sounds bad, a parachute suit. A parachute suit, kind of hard to even say. He had tested this parachute suit on jump dummies uh, that he had been throwing out the window. Can you imagine me and his neighbor of his fifth-story apartment? He believed in his product. He believed 
in what he had created. So much so that, that, that Reinhardt got permission from the police to climb to the top of the Eiffel Tower to jump in his parachute suit. Y'all are looking at me like y'all know the end of this story. Franz had invited all to see. Now this is what I want you to see. He wanted everyone to witness his jump. He wanted them to see him jump because he knew that when they saw him jump, they would recognize his genius. They would recognize his superiority as a tailor, that they would see the brilliance of his invention. And so he had gathered literally thousands of people. It was quite an event this morning. It was freezing. It was, it was cold to beyond a, a, a most people's expectations. And, and Franz is climbing up higher and higher in this cold weather in his parachute suit. And all that Franz could think when his family begged him, Franz, don't jump in your parachute suit. He could think everyone, watch this, everyone's going to see how good I am. He could think everyone's going to recognize me. Everyone's going to see this. Now, Franz reached the edge of the tower. I can only imagine what Franz had envisioned that moment to be like. I'm seeing myself in a Superman cape right this moment thinking about it. Yeah. That's undoubtedly what he thought. But Franz took his leap, his jump of fame. And it only took moments for people to realize that Franz had not jumped, but had fallen instead. Franz made an indention in a frozen earth five inches, 5.9 inches deep. Franz had stepped out with thoughts of everyone's going to see how good I am, and Franz undoubtedly had fallen realizing everyone's going to see my failure. So I guess my question for you tonight, in a very interesting message that God has laid out for me, is where are you? Are you ready to jump? Or are you finding yourself falling? Now, I find myself sometimes uh, in a very precarious place because when I get to this place that I'm thinking, I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready to move forward, I'm ready to to go to the next level in what you have for me, God, I, I feel like I'm finally achieving what it is. I find myself ready to jump, but I find myself tripping, as it were, over my own weaknesses. And I find myself falling, and what was once everybody will finally see who I am becomes, Lord, please don't let anybody see who I am. Nobody's ever felt that way, have you? The enemy's never said to you, maybe I'm off target here, but I I think I've got a real message here. The enemy's never said to you, if they really knew who you were, they wouldn't believe in you. 
And we go from this mentality of we're going to step out and we're going to finally soar and we're finally going to beat whatever that is. We're finally going to win. And we're, going to, we're going to run. It's like that, 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 I hate to go back there, but that race that I ran with Christina, it went nothing like I envisioned. I didn't expect to win. I just didn't want to look like I was half dead when I finished. But it did not live up to what I thought my soar of victory would be. The only soaring in it was how sore I was afterwards. And we all reach this place to where we have thought we were ready to jump and it turned into a fall instead. Am I just preaching at a mirror or does anybody understand what I'm talking about? You see... The question I have for you is what do you do when you have fallen and the pain has pinned you down in defeat? What do you do when you're afraid to, 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 to move forward because you're afraid that you will fail? This is what God's been dealing with me about for literally weeks. It's, it's not our plan to fail. Can I get an amen? We see danger signs that say the terrain is hazardous, but we keep going because all we can think is we're finally going to show everybody we're free. We're finally going to show everybody God's call on our life. We're finally going to show everybody, but before long, we end up in trouble. I have this show that I like to watch, and don't come up to me afterwards and try to figure out what this show is, okay? I am embarrassed to tell you I watch this show. Straight up. The reason for that. I'm embarrassed to tell you that I watch the show is because this show has spiraled down in its seasons so poorly that, that I, I watch it in fast forward. And Christina sits there and goes, why are you watching this show? It's so silly because every week all of these people are in danger for their lives. I'm like, I wouldn't leave the house if every single week I thought I was not going to survive. Every single week they're in danger. But there's a subplot that is so good, I've learned how to fast forward and find the subplot moments. And I fast forward up to those parts, and I'm looking for what's going to happen in the subplot because the, the, the constant problems and struggles and dangers they're going through are so, so frustrating. I, I don't want to focus on those things in those main characters' lives. And I have to tell you that I think many of our lives are that way. We have this great subplot called the call of God. We have this great subplot called the purpose of God, the anointing of God on our lives. But we're going from danger to danger. We're not being careful where we're walking. We're not watching the terrain. And we're ending up in trouble. And where we thought we would run and we would win, we end up falling into trouble. Maybe I'm just preaching to myself tonight, mostly because our failures are rooted in our fears. Our failures are rooted in our fears. We all live with all kinds of fears. Let me just tell you the most common fears. Unless, I'm just going to poll you tonight. Uh, the most common fears, here's the most common fears in our country. Number one, not the top one, but the first on my list, the dentist. If you're afraid of the dentist, can I see your hand? Be honest about it. Wow, common fear. 
However common this fear is, I thought it was interesting. There's one thing that helps people overcome their fear of the dentist. Do you know what it is? Laughing cat. Good answer. But you have to get to the chair before you can get there. That was good. But what drives people to the chair? Pain. Pain causes them to face their fear. Pain becomes a tool that they have to use to overcome the fear. And, and this is not my message, but I just have to say, when are you going to get tired of hurting and overcome the fear that's holding you back from the healing that Christ offers you? You're too afraid of falling. And you're afraid that if you do take that step of faith, that God's somehow going to let you down and fear's holding you back. But the pain, the discomfort, everything you're, you're facing is God saying, move forward, move forward. You need to get well. Yes. Secondly, I, I found this one interesting. I'm, one of the greatest fears in America are fear of dogs. Do we have anyone afraid of dogs here? A few only a very few. Number one reason people are afraid of dogs. They have been bitten or someone they know has been bitten. I grew up, watched my little brother have a dog take literally this part of his face off. I've never been afraid of dogs. I went another direction. I learned how to handle them at that moment very, very distinctly. Wanted to know how, uh, when I did interact with one, how to deal with it. But because of common, uh, uh, the commonality of some dog that you've in interacted with, it's something from your past. It's caused a fear in you that prevents you from being comfortable in that environment. That'll preach for a while too, but let, let me just move on. The next great fear, the fear of flight. Who's afraid to fly? <laughs> Somebody had their wife's hand pushing it up. Come on now. People tell me they'd love to go on a mission trip with me if I'd take a boat. I tell them, you don't want to see me on a boat. Turn green. Why are people afraid of flight? They're not really that afraid of flying. They're afraid of crashing. Come on. They're afraid of what they can't control. The other reason people are afraid of flight is they're claustrophobic. They can't escape from the environment. It's an irrational fear because there's a 1 in 20,000 chance that something might happen with you in a flight, whereas you're right here, there's a 1 in 100 chance in the automobile. There's a 1 in 5 chance that your heart will give out because of what you eat. Well, I got a few amens on that one. The next great fear that, that is very common is the fear of storms. Lightning. Pastor Michael and his wife call my house many times when there is a, a, a storm. I feel like her fear is justified. Pastor Michael and Frankie were driving several years ago, coming home from a youth retreat when the tornadoes devastated Helen. Helen. 
Everyone around them was killed. The car they were in was picked up. The roof was crushed. And they were spared. I understand why when there's a storm now, my phone rings and Pastor Michael says, we're headed to your basement. That's not, I'm not being silly, I'm being serious. I get it. Something in the past was traumatic. There's a, there's a common flow here. Something caused this fear. Watch this. The next is the dark. Anybody afraid of the dark? Who's going to raise their hand on every fear that I ask? <laughs> the fear of the dark. Psychologists tell us the fear of the dark is centered in the fear of the unexpected. When you don't know what's going to hit you from where. <laughs> I'll never forget. My dad would send us out to get something in the dark and we'd make our mama wait at the door. We were twice her size, but somehow it made us feel safe. The next is the fear of heights. I want to come back to the fear of heights. The next, one of the greatest fears of all. We know that the number one fear in America is public speaking, but it's related to the world fear of people. Anybody afraid of people? Few hands. This fear normally does not begin until 13. This fear begins to magnify at 13. And it manifests greatly in the fear of public speaking. How about the fear of tight, unescapable spaces? Let somebody close that door and see how jittery you get. People are afraid of anywhere they could be locked in. This fear, women are four times more likely to have. Does anyone want to take a guess what it is? The fear of bugs. Fear of bugs. Women, four times more likely to be afraid. Anybody afraid of bugs? We used to have this man that worked for us here at the church. He was 400 some odd pounds, six foot, blah, 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 blah. He, could pick, he was so big, he could pick me up like this and throw me into a swimming pool. If an ant got near him, he turned into an infant. I was like, you might be able to manhandle me, but I can carry a spider. <laughs> Last one, and I'll tell you where I'm going with this. The fear of snakes. Out of all those fears that are so common even in this room, psychologists tell us that you were not born with the majority of those. Only the one I said I would come back to were you born with. The only two fears that psychologists tell us that, the, that humans are born with are the fear of falling, thus the fear of heights. It's actually proven that when you have an extreme fear of heights, you see things different, like there's about a 40-foot differential. You see them 40 foot higher than other people see them. Okay? I understand that a little more because every time I go up on the uh, Stone Mountain with a field trip or a group of young people from here and they start getting near that fence, I feel it right here. <laughs> That's a natural fear. Watch this. I want you to get this. The second, the fear of loud noises. A brand new baby is born with the fear of loud noises. So if those are the only two fears, all that said, the only two fears, we're talking about 
being afraid to trust God and to begin to live in the freedom that he has for you or being afraid that you can't really succeed and that you're going to fall over and over again in your life. We're talking about that. And as God was just sowing this into my life, I I, I thought about this and I thought, well, let me study these fears. And as I studied these fears, I began to realize that, that every one of these fears is learned except these two. And here's what you need to get. Every fear that is learned can be reversed. Every pain that caused you to back down and to live in fear can be healed. You can be set free from that. Some of you are going, I'm just never going to trust again. I'm never going to be able to to step out on what God's called me because I can never trust again. No, you can be healed. You can be delivered. Every one of those fears that are locking you down and holding you back, you can be set free from. And the key that's going to begin to move you from that that power of fear is you're going to have to walk into faith. Because faith is the process of unlearning those fears. When you begin to believe that God didn't call you to live huddled up in fear, He called you to succeed. He called you to victory. He called you to walk in His perfect love because His love cast out all fear. And you've got to find faith. You've got to begin to find that place to stand because perfect love cast out fear. I have to say this. The opposite of love is not hate. The opposite of love is fear. When you fear someone, you can't find the way to love them. But when you love someone, you let go of your fears. True love leads to fearlessness. It is the love of a God who loves us unconditionally that sets us free from the spirit of fear. When you know that God loves you no matter what, You're not afraid to fail because you know that God will be right there to pick you up if you fall. Now, I'm not trying to justify failure. I'm not telling you that you can just begin to live like you want to. What I'm trying to tell you is that God in all his power and God in all his might wants to move in your life in such a way that you don't have to be constantly walking around going, I'm not going to live, I'm not going to dream, I'm not going to try to become who God wants me to be because I'm afraid of my failures. No, you can begin to say, God, I may fail, but it's not going to be on purpose. I may stumble and then I'm going to get up. I believe that God, you love me unconditionally. Maybe, maybe you're not the one who needs this, but I feel the need to preach this tonight. When we fail, we, we think that our, our future failures are somehow that they're going to keep us from receiving God's grace because we don't know that God loves us in spite of what lays in our future. You also will find that, that you will not feel like you have the right to walk into God's love because you've not lived in exile long enough. Now, maybe you don't get that, but I get it 100%. When I make a stupid mistake, I feel like I have to stay outside of the Father's house in time out long enough So until I feel that somehow my time out justifies where God has me. And then I begin to understand something. When God's grace begins to woo me, he didn't send me out. He called me to the throne in the middle of my weakness. He called me to boldly approach the throne of grace. I don't need to be away from God. I need to be near God. Am I making sense to anybody tonight? All right, I'm just trying to give it all. all, I feel this passionately. The cure for fear of failure isn't success. 
The cure for the fear of failure is realizing that your failure does not define your relationship with God. Love defines your relationship with God. Your relationship with God is meant to be the picture of what true love is. And this is not in my notes, but I've just got to say it. It's not just for you to see the picture. It's so that other people can see that in spite of your weaknesses, in spite of your struggles, in spite of whatever past you might have, that God in heaven throws his arms around you. And not only does he tell you he loves you, but he blesses you in such a way that other people can see that he loves you. And other people can, the word calls it, be moved on by jealousy. Whew. Well, I didn't do what they did. And God's blessing them. Maybe I need to get right so God can bless me too. That's the way it works. Anybody ever had anybody who just wanted to destroy you? Can I see your hands? Wouldn't it be wonderful that God's love begins to fill you so much that you become so overwhelmed with his presence, you begin to walk, and you're not falling, but you're jumping into victory that they get so jealous of what God's doing in your life now, you can't go, nah, 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 boo-boo. <laughs> but when you say, God, I love you, that they get so jealous that they stop being the type of person who wants to destroy you, and they start being the type of person who wants to emulate you, and they want to know God the way you know God. You see, God's not in the business of, of destroying us. God's love defines our relationship. It is meant to be what he wants it to be. He's in the business of helping us overcome our fears. But he often does it by bringing us face to face with our worst fears. He graciously brings us back to the place of failure. And then he not only helps us pick up the broken pieces, but he also puts them back together again. It's all a matter of building the trust. Of the Lord, that he, he wants you to love him. Imagine for just a moment that you find yourself in the middle of, of a, a raging sea. You're with the disciples in the boat. You find that you're about to be thrown out of the boat. Anybody ever been in a raging sea in a boat? Anybody? I told you, you don't want to go on a boat with me. I was in a raging sea. It was so rough that I, I, I was so sick. My brother right here, that shirt he has on was about the color of my skin. And that man right there that called me his son laughed at me like I was a dog. <laughs> that sea was so rough that I was having to lose my lunch. I remember holding on to the boat. Waves trying to wash me out, holding on to the boat. I wasn't going to let go of the boat as I was let go of everything else. Holding on. I didn't want to be washed out of the boat. Imagine that type scene for a moment. You've held on to you're exhausted. You're held on to you're shaking. You're, you've held on and, and, and everything. You're holding on to the boat. You're holding on. You're, you're afraid you're, that it, not only you're going to fall, but you're going to die this time. You're holding on. You're holding on. You're holding on. And all of a sudden you look up. And you see Jesus walking toward, the wa on, toward you on the water. And Jesus looks at you and he sees the terror in your eyes. He sees the, the pain that you're afraid you're going to fall one more time. And I'm preaching to somebody because you're holding on to the boat like, like, like you think you're about to go under. You're holding on for dear life and you're just trying to figure out this God thing all the way around. And you're holding on and you're going, God, I don't know how much longer I can hold it together. And listen to what Jesus does in this story. He comes walking up and finds Peter holding on like that. And he says, come here, Peter. 
come to me. Peter said, Lord, if it's you, i got to get out there. He says, come. And Peter had to make a decision. The boat had kept him safe to that point. The boat had held him safe until that point. But the boat was possibly going down, and he had to make the decision. Was he going to go to the one that he knew could deliver, or was he going to hold on to the one who had been delivering him? And Peter said, enough. And he let go of what had been his stability, and he stepped out on the instability, uh, not knowing if he would win or fall or whatever else, but all he knew was God was calling him to something better. All he knew was God had a better plan. I don't know what you're holding on to, but God's got a better plan. You're not going to find it in some kind of chant. You're not going to find it in somebody doing certain things for you. But you're going to find it when you fall in love with Jesus. And you become determined no matter what happens in your life. You're going to run, jump, fail, whatever. You're going to get to Jesus. Amen. We must have him. We must know him. We must love him. We must serve him. You see... You'll never take that kind of step from your fear into faith unless you learn to know who God is yourself. You're going to have to learn to know the voice of God. Can I get an amen for that? So how do you know the voice of God? How do you learn God's voice? Are you ready for this? If you want a word from God, you better get in the word of God. Y'all might better find that amen button. That was an awful week, amen. If you want to know... What God's voice sounds like, get in his word. If you want a word from God, you better get in the word of God. I'm telling you, when you're afraid to walk in faith, because your failures and your struggles, is this this computing? Your failures and your struggles are so many. And you're afraid to, 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 to move, and you're afraid to obey God. Listen to me carefully. What you need is the word. Peter had a word, come. He walked on the word. I think he walked on the word more than he walked on the water. You will never overcome the fear of failure if you're just thinking about the falls you've made. You must begin to walk in faith. And your faith will only be stoked. I've told you the verse that I quote over and over again. I am the righteousness of Christ. I am not a defeated foe. I am more than a conqueror. I have not. My, my righteousness is a filthy rag, but I, in Christ, I am the righteousness of Christ to God Almighty. I begin to quote the word. Can I just give you some word for just a moment tonight? Deuteronomy 31 and 6. Be strong and have a good courage. Do not fear nor be afraid of them. For the Lord your God, he is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you and he will not forsake you. You don't have to walk in fear. You can walk in faith because God's with you. The verse that I consider my motto verse for my life, Joshua 1, 9. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Sometimes I have to quote that to myself. I'm about to do something big for God, and I get shaky, and I get worried, and I start quoting that. You're with me, God. You told me not to be afraid nor discouraged because you said I should be strong and have a good courage, and God, I'm going to do that. And I begin to remind myself of the word, and my failures begin to go down to the place they belong in my past, and my faith begins to rise up, and it gives me a reason to move forward to the future. Amen. 
First Chronicles 28 and 20, David also said to Solomon, his, his son, be strong and courageous, do the work, do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord uh, God, my God, oh, I like how he says, my God is with you. He will not fail you or forsake you until all the work for the service of the temple of the Lord is finished. Can I tell you what jumped in my heart about that? I, I, I'm, I'm sorry I'm getting a little loud here for a moment, but I feel this. David said, let me tell you about my God. He never failed me and he'll never fail you. Let me tell you something tonight. Church, I failed him time and time again, but he's never failed me. He's never left me and his faithfulness extends to all generations. Psalms 27 and 1, the Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life, whom shall I be afraid? I'm not going to worry, I'm not going to wait, I'm going to walk by faith because God's walking with me. Psalm 56, 3 and 4, when I am afraid, I will trust in you. In God whose word I praise, in God I trust, I will not be afraid. What can mortal man do to me? Because God's on my side, amen. Isaiah 41 and 10. I'm trying to slow down, but I just feel it right now. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. God's talking to you. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. When you can't make it on your own, don't turn to your own strength, but turn to his, and he will deliver you. Amen. Isaiah 54 and 4, do not fear for you will not be ashamed, neither be disgraced, for you will not be put to shame, for you, watch this, will forget the shame of your youth and will not remember the reproach of your widowhood anymore. I want to go back to that original story for a moment. He didn't get the chance to keep remembering his life ended, but some of you thought you were going to soar and you ended up falling and you can't think of anything but your failure. Listen to the word of the Lord. Run to God. Run to God. And the day will come when you have to go, you know what? I was like that one day. I was back there one day because God will have advanced you so much in your life. Matthew 10, 26, therefore do not fear them for there is nothing covered that will not be revealed and nothing hidden that will not be known. God, God says, I've got it. Matthew 10, 28, do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Romans 8, 15, for you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. God didn't save you so you could walk around wondering whether or not he loved you. He saved you so you could come to know how much he loves you, man. How many are thankful for that tonight? Why don't you give God a praise? I'm getting you somewhere. I'm going to give you a, a truth in these scriptures I've never seen before. 1 Corinthians 16, 13. Be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be men of courage. Be strong. 2 Corinthians 4, verse number 7 says, But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not abandoned. We are struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in us. God says, you're not out for the count. Jesus is helping you up. Come on now. For we who are alive are always being given over to the death for Jesus' sake so that his life may be revealed in our mortal body. 
Philippians 1.12, now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. He said, I'm not worried about what's going on in my life. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. What I'm going through is not setting me back. It's going to advance me. Because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. God wants to move in you so other people can get encouraged as well. 2 Timothy 1.7, for God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. Come on now, amen. Hebrews 13.5, for he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Come on now, amen. How many of you will declare, God's on your side. God's on your side. Somebody's going, Pastor Don, what are you trying to say? And I'm, I'm about to get you the verse I've been trying to get you to the whole time I've been reading these verses. What I'm trying to tell you is stop listening to the wrong voices. The, imagine what went through that, mind's, that man's mind as he stepped off and he thought he was going to soar and he ended up falling. Those voices will destroy you. They will kill you. They will keep you down. I'm trying to tell you, you need a better voice. You need the word of the Lord. Watch this, watch this. 1 Peter 3, 13. Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Here's what I want you to see. This is different than some of you are going to have in your Bibles. Do not fear what they fear. One, most versions say don't fear what they can do to you. Most of your Bibles will have an asterisk here that, 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 that is telling you that there's a possible another translation that is just as applicable. I went ahead and inserted that translation for you here, and God was dealing with me about this. He says, do not fear what others fear. Do not be frightened. I've said that many of your Bibles will say this. I think it's particularly powerful because the attack of the enemy that comes to destroy our faith tries to inflict the fear that others suffer with upon our lives. We do not have to live in the same fear they live in. Death is no longer to be feared if you're in Christ. Loss is not valuable if everything you have belongs to another anyways. I think this is so powerful because fear loses its foothold in our relationship with God. The more we fall in love with him, the more we stand in faith. The more we fall in love with him, we don't have to fear what the world is fearing. And I think that's some of what the church is lacking today. We're fearing what the world is fearing. We're worried about an economy that might rise and might fall. We're worried about who's elected. We're worried about this. We're worried about what somebody thinks about us. We're worried about all these problems. We are not of this world. The fears of this world do not have the right to lay claim to us. We should be standing and our fear should be whether or not somebody knows Jesus, whether or not we're shining in the light of Jesus. Our fear should be whether or not we'll be found faithful when he comes. Come on now. We need to shake off the fears that they fear and rise up in faith and let God work through us in Jesus' name. Amen. What did the first verse say tonight? There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. Those whose fear is not made perfect in love. Listen to that. You're waiting for God to punish you because you know you deserve it. 
That was one come on. You see what you've done and there's no way that you can justify just simply accepting his love. Because your fail, your fall, your, 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 your failure to fly. Am I making sense? Can't be justified simply by repentance. I've been reading Colossians, Ephesians, Philippians, where Paul over and over again says, stop with the rituals and find the love. Until you can let him love you, you will not be free. But when you love him and embrace his love, the fear that holds you back will flee. While you hold on to the darkness, there's no room for you to embrace the love. God sent me with a simple, simple message tonight. Fear is learned. Faith is given. What pain has caused you to fear? What failure has caused you to fear? What, what holds you back from what God has called you to, to a better subplot that it becomes the main plot of your life? So that fear no longer holds you, but faith upholds you. And you can begin to understand. I'm not, I'm not trying to solve your problems. I'm trying to introduce you to a God who said, I came to seek you and make you whole. So you can understand how much he loves you. What does scripture say? That you might know the, the depth and the, and, and the width and the, that you might know the, the boundlessness of God's love. That you might know him in the fullness of his resurrection power. That's today's word from Pastor Don Allen to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him all over again, and live out your destiny now. To learn more about our pastor and the ministry of the church at War Hill, join us online at warhill.com. Then join us in worship at one of our North Georgia locations. Service times are Sundays at 815, 930, and 11 a.m., where you will find real love now. <laughs>